Hi, Brent Hill here. Are you chock full of health and wellness information, yet struggling to implement it into your daily life? Or do you have your health sorted out, but struggle to integrate it with all the other areas of your life? We've surveyed a number of the Wellness Couch fans and recognised that this is the biggest challenge you face in daily life. How do you turn your knowledge into action and lifestyle? Enter the Wellness Breakthrough. For three days and two nights, nine of your Wellness Couch favourites are gathering in Melbourne for one incredible event. Cindy Amira, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Joe Witten, Marcus Pierce, Stuart Hayes and the Wellness Guys are coming together for an event like no other. This is an intimate retreat designed to help you workshop and create your incredible life. For information and to book, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Leah Follett. and welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Witten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking and I'm here with my friends. Today we've got my co-host Leah Follett and we also have a special guest, Samantha Bullock, who is a naturopath down in Brisbane. Welcome, Samantha. Hey Joe, hey Leah, it's so lovely to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. We're excited too, aren't we, Leah? Very excited. Yes, we have lots of questions for you. <laughs> so um, I'm going to get let Samantha introduce herself and give a bit of her background. Um, she's a very knowledgeable naturopath, and she has got some amazing things to share with you. So go ahead, Samantha. Hello. So hi, hi everybody. Um, for the can you hear me? Yes. Great. Okay. So um, my story, story sort of started, um, you know, 40 plus years ago. I was born in a little tiny country town. I was born three months prem um, and really in my toddler years as a result of being born so premature and never getting breastfed, I started out life with quite a few gut issues and lots of allergy issues that persisted throughout my childhood and my teen years. And it really wasn't until I um, went into my naturopathic training after the birth of my beautiful daughter, Emrys that I started to really unravel that for the first time in my adult life. Mm. Um, I come from sort of quite a medical family. My mum is a nurse and I spent 15 years in nursing before I trained to be a naturopath, sort of working in oncology. So my background really is in environmental medicine and children's health. And then for me, having home birth, breastfeeding long term, um, it just, as motherhood does, it completely changed my whole life and my perspective on life. And it sort of really set me on a path of looking at alternative medicine for our family's primary health care. And it was something that I'd always felt an affinity for. Um, but, you know, at the time that I left high school, and was really in its infancy then. And so, you know, that was the primary reason that I decided to do nursing and then sort of waited until 
until the time was right for me to make the transition into naturopathic medicine as a full-time thing for me. So I've been in practice now for nearly 20 years. Um, I've always specialised in women's health because my journey with um, my daughter Emrys and mothering really inspired me to support other women and I've been, yeah, specialising in reproductive endocrinology and fertility and birthing and bonding ever since that point so yeah where were you when I needed yeah me too where were you when I oh I have have one of you in every doctor's office every hospital (laughs) every hospital actually doing talks at high school way we'd actually fully integrate Yeah. yeah and you know I think that there's a great need for nurturing and supporting, you know, young women right from the time that they have their very first periods about their mm. their reproductive system and how it works and what's normal and what's not normal, you know. Mm. in If I was queen of the world, <laughs> I would have that as part of the ordinary, um, you know, education system. I think yeah. it's, it's so important that mums know how to support their girls through that process of, you know, adolescence and puberty and also girls know how to do that because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, because of all of my allergies, um, because of some of my underlying health concerns, you know, by the time that I hit my teenage years, I had absolutely awful acne. Mm -hmm, And, you know, when my mum, you know, took me to the doctor about it, because of course, it was really affecting my Mm self-esteem and I was just having a really horrible time with it. And, you know, the way that GPs at that point in time treated acne was to put girls on the pill. So I was put on, you know, a very high dose oral contraceptive pill at the age of 15. Mm -hmm. And I was also given very high dose antibiotics for three years. And I took them every single day. And yep, nobody (laughs) knew. I can still remember my dad used to buy um, the antibiotic involved. It used to come in huge jars. Wow. And, um, you know, I took that for three and a half, four years, nonstop. What happened to your gut? I'm so fascinated by what (laughs) It totally, you know, the combination of the pill for me and antibiotics really trashed my gut. I can imagine. And it set me up for some pretty major hormonal um, issues that, you know, I really didn't start unravelling until I was in, like I said, the first year of naturopathic medicine. Mm. And, you know, we had brilliant training in nutrition, in food, in diet, in hormonal health in neurological health Mm. and I started to join all of the dots and of course that's when I started to put myself on gut repair diets in the form that they used to be then this is way before the gut the the gaps died or anything Mm -hmm. like that but I basically went off grain Mm -hmm. and went off dairy and went off soy Mm -hmm. and started to work with nutritional medicine and herbal medicine to heal my gut and recover myself from, you know, what were pretty severe allergies. I was the kid that woke up and just sneezed and sneezed and sneezed and then sneezed (laughs) some more every single morning. We could be sisters. I know we could be. (laughs) We are soul sisters, sweetie. (laughs) So, you know, my my, um, childhood nickname was Sneezy. I used to get teased too. <laughs> yeah, so you know, and it was it was sort of a family joke yep. that you know I was just the highly allergic one, mm-hmm. and 
um, you know, and and my mum and dad were very health aware and very health yeah, conscious. So I was really lucky that um, my mum always cooked really beautiful food. She's an amazing cook. Yeah. And so I had the benefit of being raised on what was, you know, what is a whole food diet. Yeah. But we just didn't have the awareness of food-based allergies and diet and the gut and the immune system at that point. Nobody knew. It was one of those areas where you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So my parents didn't even know what kind of questions to ask in investigating it because mm. there was just no consciousness of it at that point. Mm. So, you know, I lived on antihistamines, yeah. antihistamines, antibiotics and the oral contraceptive pill. <laughs> <laughs> it was not pretty at times. Let me just share that with you. Wow. I'm sure that my mum could tell you horror stories about my mood. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just, I'm lost for words. I'm sitting here and I keep blocking in and out of Oh, that's right. I'm actually part of a podcast. I'm sitting here listening to one as if I, you know, I'm just, I'm just listening. I'm shocked. I cannot believe that from such a young age, that's what you were, you were given or dealt with or how you were dealt with rather. It hasn't, you know, I mean, the really scary thing for me is that it's still very common protocol for girls to present to their GP with acne, with hormonal instability, with PMS, with period pain, with bleeding issues with their period. And the treatment of choice is the pill. Yep. And antibiotics still are a treatment of choice for, for um, you know, adolescent acne. And, you know, we, that's, you know, we have a whole community of women and concerned mums who want the very best of care for their girls and understand that, you know, those things are potentially serious for their children and that they need to have them addressed, but mm. not understanding the long-term health effects of both of those things. And, you know, sadly for me, I see the long-term consequence of that in my clinic when women in their 30s and 40s and now even in their middle 20s are presenting with major fertility diagnosis. Mm. And it's incredibly, incredibly common for me to take a history and hear a woman say to me that she went on the pill sometime between the ages of 12 and 15. Wow. And that she's never really come off. Yeah. Okay. And All right. And that's common. Scary. Okay. Can we talk about just for the for the parents out there that have got these children that are just starting or haven't started menstruating yet, can we talk about how you would um, approach or go into the investigation of what their cycle will be like or what it should be like because there's there's no common ground about what normal is mm. and, and what's to be worried about or what isn't or you know, those sorts of things that they could potentially have set up in place. Yeah. Where um, to start? <laughs> yeah, where to start? You know, look, before they start it, menstruating, before they've got the problems and all those other things, what things should parents be looking out for in their children? What's alarm bells and, and where do you go from from those teenage early years? Look, I think the most important thing to start getting a recognition of is you know what constitutes uh, what constitutes a normal menstrual cycle and so many women don't actually um, don't actually understand that mm. and you know if mums don't understand what a normal healthy cycle is then how can they support 
their, their 12, 13, 14-year-old girl in going through that themselves. Yeah. So really when we're looking at, you know, that beginning of puberty, we're looking at, you know, a menstrual cycle that is is stable and rhythmical. We're wanting to make sure that they're having a good, stable 28-day cycle. We're wanting to make sure that they're ovulating at mid-cycle and that they're understanding what ovulation is. Mm -hmm. We're wanting to see an absence, really, of any kind of period pain. Um, It's you know, within the boundary of, you know, a couple of hours to maybe one day at the most of period pain. Mm. Um, We're wanting to see, um, we're wanting to see good cervical mucus production. Mm -hmm. So we're wanting to see... the best way to support your your young daughter or your teenager is to make sure that you're working efficiently first so then you know what it is and what to expect so then you can communicate that better. Yeah, and look, for so many women that I see in clinic, you know, they are in their middle 20s all the way through to their middle 40s and they don't have any overview around not what normal is. Yeah. So for women to become much more present and much more aware um, of their own cycle, I always recommend a couple of books. Um, I recommend Francesca Nash's book, Natural Fertility, mm-hmm. which teaches women about what's normal in a cycle oh, that's good. and how to interpret that. And that's something that I teach women in my, in my naturopathic sessions. I teach them how to actually do symptothermal charting and that's layered with um, lunar, lunar fertility mm-hmm. so they know exactly when they're ovulating. They know exactly um, when they can expect their period. They know exactly what normal is. And then they're in a powerful place to understand, well, what, what isn't normal? Does mm. that make sense? Yes. Um, and then from that place, if you're really empowered, then you're able to actually support your teenager to go through menstruation and establish her menstrual cycle mm. from a place of confidence and a place of empowerment and a place of... I guess, for want of a better word, honouring because there's so much menstrual cycle shaming and judgment Mm. in our community. It's considered to be something that's bad, that's stupid, that's wrong. Mm. Um, That's limiting. That's limiting, that's contracting. You know, Mm -hmm. I regularly see girls who deliberately manipulate their pills so that they don't have a period. I remember Um, one of my friends when I was in my late teens doing that when she travelled. And I thought to myself even back then, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Joe, your instinctive kind of intuitive hit on that was mm. actually completely correct. Yeah. But, you know, we live in a society now and a culture of women that it's all about convenience yes. and it's all about pleasing and it's all about trying to make as little impact as possible to a certain degree. Mm. And we're not actually educating our girls to feel empowered and supported around their cycle. Mm. Um, I also recommend a book called A Blessing, Not a Curse. It's written by a really lovely friend of mine, Jane Bennett. And that is basically it's a book for mums to support them to understand the menstrual cycle and give them some overview about how to support their girls through that. And these books. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'll happily send you the the information on them and they're freely available on the internet and from Amazon and Fish Pond and things like that. I'll put the links up on my blog. 
So look, really for girls who are being, you know, being offered a tre the treatment of the oral contraceptive pill or, you know, antibiotics for their skin or PMS or whatever, you know, from a naturopathic point of view, there are so many options available to girls mm. you know you've got beautiful nutritional medicines you've got homeopathic medicines you've got herbal medicines um, you've got a lot of really teenage friendly diet lifestyle strategies that mm -hmm. you can employ understanding that you know adolescence is a really special time of development mm -hmm. and kids do go off the boil with lifestyle but there are there are always empowering ways to work with girls and kids, and That's you know great. I I love that it makes it makes me really happy to you know to support young girls at this level because I know that I'm setting them up to win for their whole fertile life, mm. and I'm potentially preventing them from being in my office in a decade or a yes. decade and a <laughs> half, you know having been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis, and I mm. think. If I could touch a little bit on that, yeah. for me, mm -hmm. the primary pitfall of being put on the oral contraceptive pill early um, is that if a girl has not had ovulation assessment, the potential risk is that she's not yet ovulating. Her hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis or communication pathway is not yet established. Mm -hmm. And if you take the oral contraceptive pill at that point, she is putting herself at a very high risk of not ever actually establishing that. Wow. Or coming off the pill in 10 to 15 years' time and Ugh. then having to do a lot of really deep work to re-establish that natural communication pathway. And then the other potential pitfall of the pill is that because you're receiving anywhere between, you know, 15 to 17 times the dosage of your own endogenous or self-created hormone levels, it creates a very kind of a suppressive effect in which your own hormone receptors and your hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis actually down-regulate. Wow. And you can have, you know, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, you can have endometriosis grumbling under the surface of that drug-manipulated cycle mm. without care. And without actually seeing the symptoms and what I see in women, you know, between their middle teens and middle 20s is that even on the pill, they still have horrible period pain. And yeah. so, you know, the orthodox care for that is not to investigate further. No, it's and to actually some more medication. Start well, it's to give that's what them pain to relief. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah what it's to give them pain relief. Yeah. It's to give them anti-inflammatories, mm. and usually in escalating um, dosage ranges. And yep. this is not to demonise orthodox medicine. I'm I'm very much an integrationist. You mm. know, having had a 15 year background in nursing, I have a great deal of respect and appreciation and gratitude for the whole orthodox medical system, but it isn't doing us a service at the mm. level of preventative health care yeah. and it's certainly not doing us a service at wellness care yeah. because that's not its forte. No. Its forte is actually emergency crisis medicine. That's yeah. what it's designed to do. And so when it's faced with some of these underlying chronic um, health concerns, it fails fairly miserably. Mm. 
and it doesn't have it doesn't have the resources that it needs to address it. So you know all that it can do is is basically use, I guess in naturopathic medicine we use a, a bit of a controversial word. It suppresses that symptom. Mm. So an anti-inflammatory shuts down the inflammatory process. An analgesic shuts down the pain signaling process. Mm. You know an anti-diarrheal actually stops diarrhea in its tracks but it's not necessarily dealing with the underlying yeah. cause that's created that in the first place Band-Aids. and yeah and for, for you know for fertility it's actually critical it's critical to know that you know you have a family history with fertility challenges in your you know mm-hmm. in your family and and so much can be cared for and supported throughout adolescence so that it doesn't even have to manifest in 20s in your 20s and 30s yeah. and that's something that i'm really passionate about is educating women and supporting them to safeguard and protect and nurture their fertility so that at a time in their life when they actually want to conceive they can yeah rather than you know going out of coming out of a place of lack of confidence lack of awareness lack of education mm. and then ending up in my clinic room frankly in sobbing tears yeah. because they've been trying to conceive they've gone through IVF unsuccessfully and they're you know sitting somewhere between 35 and 45 and mm. they still haven't conceived a desperately wanted needed and cherished little bubby yeah you know it's it's heartbreaking it is heartbreaking. So can you explain to us what what is the meaning of preconception care and just give us a bit of your ideas on it? Okay, sure. So preconception care is it's a process that both partners in a couple ideally undertake together as a team yeah. and it's based upon some pretty fundamental science. It takes Um, four months for the ovary to go through several cycles of maturing an egg Mm -hmm. and it also takes four months for the sperm to be produced in the testicle right from their very very beginning what I like to call baby stage all the way through Mm -hmm. to I guess what I would call university students graduating (laughs) so basically what happens then in preconception care is that we're taking great advantage of that biological flow that happens it's a biological imperative in the body it's set into our genetic coding that this is the way it happens in a similar way that we replace and replenish the lining of our gastrointestinal tract or mm-hmm. we replace our hair for instance our mm-hmm. hair has a has a genetic growth um, set point mm-hmm. um, so all of the tissues in the body have their own little rhythm and their own cycle and their own sort of strategic plan of growth and development and eggs and sperm are no different. So preconception care really takes full advantage of that and works to correct any underlying functional problems in terms of hormonal signalling, neurotransmitter signalling, communication between the different parts of the reproductive system and then actually 
creating really um, sound building blocks that actually create the physical tissue of that egg and that sperm. Because at the very moment of conception, your baby's genetic blueprint is laid down permanently. Mm. And preconception care gives parents an enormous level of power and autonomy to actually affect the outcome of their children's health yeah. in the very, very long term. Um, so we then get, you know, we then get the chance to create really healthy, vibrant, um, structurally sound, functional ova and exactly the same for sperm. So that at that moment of conception, the DNA blueprint that's laid down for that developing little baby is the very best health that it can possibly be mm. and that its genetic coding is really as sound and as healthy as it can possibly be because the vast majority of diseases have a genetic um, a genetic component. Yeah. You know, we understand that by looking at, you know, family histories. You know, there are families in which cardiovascular health is a problem, arthritis, autoimmune disease, fertility. Mm. You know, there's a genetic component yeah. and we have the power with lifestyle, with um, diet, with exercise, with stress management to either switch on or keep off those little genetic switches mm. that will either turn an illness on or off. Fascinating. And so, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I love it because mm. it's so empowering. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's Sam, a lot can of can I just science. ask? Sure. The, the nervous nanny in me just popped into my head and just went, well, what about all those people that accidentally conceived or didn't put in all this forethought into preconception? Mm. How do so, we how do we bring them back into the care plan just with a, that gene expression thing? Have yeah, not to a, say like they haven't missed the boat or anything. No, no, absolutely not. And that's a really important point, Leah, and I'm really glad that you raised that. Yeah. I have a really strong belief, um, and it's based upon my clinical experience that it's everything is recoverable, everything is healable yeah. because the epigenetic codings are so triggerable by lifestyle, exercise, diet and what I call emotional and mental well-being. Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity to completely downregulate those things for children yeah. um, and babies and you know, supporting them with breastfeeding, supporting them with um, nutrition and diet, supporting them with naturopathic medicines, if appropriate, is, is so, um, it's so fundamental. So let me give you an example of a couple that I've worked with. Um, they basically went through IVF because both of them were carriers for cystic fibrosis mm -hmm. and they knew that when they conceived their twins that both of the twins would be born with CF and we knew that going ahead of time. Mm. So all through her pregnancy, we worked with homeopathy and herbs and nutritional medicines to actually downregulate that genetic coding. Wow. And then as soon as the bubbies were born, again, we did homeopathic care, we did nutritional medicine, we did herbal medicine for them, literally from the time that they were newborn. And they have not expressed cystic fibrosis anywhere near 
to the extent that the children born at the same time have. In fact, their paediatrician regularly contacts me and says, I don't know what you're doing with these kids, but you should keep doing it because <laughs> oh, they, awesome. don't, they don't get the chest infections. They don't end up in hospital with bowel obstructions. They oh. just don't. They're, they're basically, we're keeping them as healthy and as happy as we possibly can. And we're using naturopathic medicine as wellness care for them mm. so that then we can reserve the orthodox medical care for them if we need it in an emergency and then it works really well for them. Mm. So, you know, in the first two years of their lives when, you know, children of you know, children of that age and children with CF would be normally expected to have multiple chest infections requiring, you know, multiple doses of antibiotics. They didn't have one chest infection between wow, them. That's amazing. You no, know, so that's a, an enormous increase in their quality of life as children, but also for any of us who were mums who've had six children, there's mm. nothing more stressful than sick children. Oh, Do you know, those rules can then apply to other um, genetic or autoimmune diseases as well, not just CF? Absolutely. Um, and look, I think that the important thing to realise that is that, you know, if there are if there are genetic issues, then that's something that you work with uh, um, in the long term. Mm. And it's not always possible to completely resolve that. So I'll use myself as, as an example. You know, I shared at the beginning that I was born, you know, three months premature. As a result of being born so preemie, I was in a humi crib for three months. And it, oh. at that point, they used to hyperoxygenate um, premature babies. The oh, can you explain that? that? Hyperoxygenate. What do you they mean? They basically by that? used to saturate us with oxygen okay. because when you're born prem, your lungs aren't fully developed yet. Okay. And so the the benefit obviously is that it kept me alive, which mm -hmm. I think is a really important thing. <laughs> and well, so do my is. parents. You've got a big message to send. Yeah. Um, but you know the pitfall was that because I was getting so much oxygen. Um, the tiny little blood vessels in my retina, which is the back of your eye, which is like the, it's like the the receiving um, mechanism of light into your eye, that didn't develop. Mm. So I was born with, well, I as a result of being preemie, I had what's called, it's a huge word, it's called retroventral fibroplasia, which basically means that I have a lot of scarring on my retinas mm. and it makes them fragile and it makes me very short-sighted. Mm. And so, you know, for most of my childhood, you know, I had some serious issues with my eyes. I was blinded for a little while and, wow. you know, recovered from that. Yeah. But, you know, I came into my adulthood with some fairly significant eye deficits or sight deficits. Now, actually, one of the things that propelled me into naturopathic medicine was because when I was 15, I was sort of seeing my eye specialist I used to have to see him every six months or at the very least once a year and he sat me down when I was about 16 and and had the talk with me which basically <laughs> said you know look I want to warn you that by the time that you're in your middle 30s you'll probably be completely blind wow. and me being me internally I didn't say this out loud but I can share with you that I said some very very bad sailor language <laughs> <laughs> and basically you know politely I said well that's not going to happen to me 
And I made, at that point, I can remember making the decision sitting in the chair that I was not going to be, um, I was not going to have my life determined by what what that doctor believed to be true Mm. and what he understood to be true. And so that was you know, one of the major things that led me into naturopathic medicine for want of, you know, for a couple of other things. And as a result of doing naturopathic medicine, um, I've now kept my eyes completely stable for the last 20 years. Wow. My sight has not degenerated at all. My retinas are now in better shape than they've ever been before. (laughs) And this is the most hysterical thing. Um, I won't mention the doctor's name because he's a very, very prominent eye surgeon in (laughs) way and actually heads up a couple of institutes and things like that but you know I go and see him still he's known me since I was a little tiny girl of about five and he has always said to me I don't believe in this quack medicine that you do but I think you should keep doing it because obviously you're not blind yet which is just it's absolutely hysterical and I've I've had conversations with him and I've said, you know, are you interested in knowing what I do? And he's like, no, not really. Oh, that's crazy. He could (laughs) be helping other people. Oh, that's so sad that he doesn't want to know. He could be passing that on to other patients. Oh, wow. So, you know, the the take-home message of that is that, you know, I was born or as a result of my prematurity, I was sort of gifted, for want of a better word, Mm. with a potentially you know, life-altering eye condition Um, and I've successfully worked with that consciously and deliberately so that it hasn't actually manifested to its full degree. Hmm. And that opportunity is available to anybody. Yes, I still wear glasses. I still have a major deficit of sight in my left eye. If I take my glasses off, I'm functionally blind in that eye. But I still live as a person who's fully sighted and, you know, I've just outed myself to, you know, (laughs) many thousand quirky cooking people. But, you know, under normal circumstances, nobody knows that I have this eye problem. I think that's such an encouragement for people to know that. I don't operate in the world as a partially sighted person. I operate in the world as a person who has the very best sight that I can have. And I never let that impact me to the very best of my ability. And, you know, that just for me is a story of hope. It's Mm. a story of optimism and it's a story of empowerment to say no matter what you have been born with in terms of a health challenge or potentially a disability, there is always a path forward for you to actually make the very, very best of your health. And yes, you still may have some limitations that you're going to have to negotiate with, Mm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be defined by a health condition. And I talk specifically around also you know, the fertility issues, mm. polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, unexplained infertility, you know, pelvic scarring, you know, all of those things define women and they they make them feel less than, they make them feel mm. traumatised and it doesn't have to be that way. Right. It can be another way. And, you know, I, I love supporting people at that level. It makes me really happy. Wow. It's just... Um quite fascinating I think I think I've got a good idea I I wish I knew all this obviously before I ever had kids I had no idea about preconception care until I'd had all my kids 
And then one of my friends got married and decided to start trying for a baby, but not yet because she had to do the preconception care first. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so that's pretty sad yeah. because um, I know it would have helped my kids a lot if I had have worked on healing my gut before they ever came along. Can you explain a little yeah. bit about the link between gut health and how you go with fertility and everything? Yeah, I can. And I just want to unravel that a little bit okay. for you, Joe, because I think it's really, really important that, you know, the women who are listening don't feel completely demoralized if they haven't done preconception care. Yeah, that's right. You know, the take home message for me is that everything is healable, yeah. no matter what, without exception. Um, and that it, it all starts right now. It starts with the decision that you make today. That's right. Every day um, is a new and day. Exactly. And, you know, you're already, because you're committed to your family at such a high level and you're doing gaps and you're mm. doing all of the naturopathic work that you're doing and the health coaching work that you're doing, mm -hmm. you are going to be down-regulating those genetic blueprints that all of your kids have been born with. Yeah. And you're setting them up to win into their adulthood with the least possible sort of manifestation of health concerns mm. that they can possibly have. You know, you're doing for your kids what I did for myself as a naturopathic student in yeah. starting to take care of my retina. I yeah. recognise that, you know, the lottery of life sometimes you know sometimes the chips fall where they you know fall where they lay mm. and you don't always get a choice at at that point mm -hmm. sometimes you have the choice much later that's right you know, I mean, my parents have agonized over that and they've yeah. said, you know, you know, what did we do something wrong? Should we have done something different? Should we have not let you have the antibiotics and the steroids when you were a little baby? No, absolutely not. My parents and the medical team that took care of me, frankly, they saved my life. Yeah. If I hadn't have had that, I wouldn't be here, That's right. you know, because the four other babies that were born at the same level of prematurity that I was, they all passed away. Wow. You know, I'm I'm the only one that that's here to tell the tale, mm. and I think that it's it's incredibly important for anyone who's listening that they still come away from this podcast feeling really empowered. Yes, it's about what you do today, that's and right. you know, the gut is the centre of your health and well-being. Every every building block for tissue healing and repair, every building block for making the tissues and the organs and the systems of your body is created in the gut. Yeah. We're basically chemical beings. And so everything in our body is chemistry. So when you start taking care of your gut and cherishing it and nurturing it and feeding it whole, clean, vibrant, live food, mm -hmm. you know, you're making a major difference to your health and well-being. All of my fertility clients, without exception, are on therapeutic diet protocols, yeah. whether that's an autoimmune protocol, whether or not that's GAPS, whether or not that's, you know, FODMAPs, whether or not that's some form of hypoallergenic diet. It, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, because we understand that your diet and your health and well-being are, are so foundational. Mm. Fertility is an, is an outflow of overall vitality and well-being. Yeah. 
And so when you're working with any kind of fertility or reproductive issues, you have to come back to the gut. And I spent quite a lot of time in my consults, especially at a first visit with my clients because, you know, I hammer on about the about their diet and I hammer on about their gut and they're like, <laughs> Sam, I'm here to see you about my periods or I just want to get pregnant. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I'm, I know you're here about that and we have to sort of simultaneously do work on the gut at the same time as we heal and nurture and nourish the reproductive system and the endocrine system. Mm. So, you know, to go back to preconception care, preconception care is a layering. It's looking at the spiritual, emotional and mental space and capacity to allow a baby to come in and be conceived. Mm. Then it's looking at lifestyle, diet, exercise and stress management protocols that actually set you up to win, not only set you up to conceive a really healthy and happy baby, but to set you up to win for your family life. Mm. Because one of the things that women who have what I fondly call baby brain forget is that after a pregnancy, Pregnancy comes a baby. <laughs> yeah, and I completely forgot about that. that. I was only focused on the baby, not on the five-year-old I've got now. <laughs> exactly. And that's a 30-year journey. Mm. And I like to set families up to win so that they come into that incredibly sacred, special, amazing neonatal period with a newborn baby or with their second newborn baby or their third or fourth or fifth newborn baby if they're blessed enough to have lots of kids with grace, with mm. power, with strength, and that they are actually creating the foundation in preconception care and pregnancy care of a really healthy, functional family. Mm. And that so the baseline of that is is stress management, it's relationship, it's communication, it's diet, it's lifestyle, it's where you're at spiritually and making sure that you're nurtured and nourished at a spiritual level. Mm. You know, that's one level of preconception care. Then there's the therapeutic layer, which is my job, mm. making sure that women have a really stable, strong, healthy, vibrant menstrual cycle and that they're ovulating on time, that they have beautiful, beautiful fertile mucus, mm. that their partner has really healthy, fantastic sperm so that then they'll actually conceive on time at the best time of their cycle to conceive when the egg and the sperm are at their most vibrant and alive to create that genetic blueprint. Mm. And then you've got, you know, the therapeutic care, which is which can be anything between herbal medicine, flower essences, aromatic medicine, herbal medicine, homeopathics, pretty much you name it. Um, there are foundational, I guess, universal principles of preconception care that I follow. So even though every couple that I see, I treat very individually. I treat them individually as a couple, as a team and a unit, and then I treat them individually as the male and the female partner. But there are those underlying foundational principles that follow through for every single preconception protocol that you do, and they are stable and they're mm. kind of known. So, you know, that's why that's why I'm so passionate about doing preconception care. And yeah. it's important for men to do it as well, basically, you're saying? Well, yes, absolutely, mm. because 
you know, the male partner is is 50% of that genetic blueprint. And I think there's a misconception in, in community as a general thing that fertility is largely the province of women. Yeah. Um, and it's very tricky because women carry a baby, they conceive a baby, they miscarry a baby and it's it's very easy to see that the issue with miscarriages or with failure to conceive is sitting in the feminine. Mm. In reality, masculine fertility is a massive um, contributing factor. Yeah. And when you look at the statistics, it's a very, very strong component. And, you know, again, what men often don't understand is that they can have a massive impact on the health and well-being of their own babies and they can have a massive impact on resolving male fertility problems. Mm. You know, I see men all the time. I see, you know, many men a week who come to me because they've either been diagnosed with some form of fertility challenge for themselves or their partner um, has or they've been trying to conceive unsuccessfully. And I'm really clear that it's really, really important for the male partner to have a proper a proper semen analysis done through an IVF laboratory, not at a GP. Mm. It's inconclusive and you get lots of false positives and lots of false negatives in GP laboratory semen analysis. You really have to have a semen analysis done under referral with a really good IVF clinic that does lots and lots and lots of semen analysis. Mm. And then you get, you know, then you'll get... Um, an accurate reading and then again naturopathic care comes into its own actually in male fertility because there's really nothing that the orthodox system can offer men who have fertility challenges except IVF or ICSI and the statistics for success are pretty low whereas with naturopathic medicine I do this you know multiple times a year I've lost count of actually having a man who presents with you know a shocking semen analysis and six to eight months later it's completely normal wow okay um sam would you mind um maybe explaining some of the testing because i know that as a parent and as a wife and all those other things i've had to drag my husband along he's an engineer he's calculated he's mathematical he's scientific he likes the the cause and effect and he likes to be able to join the dots and see the results yeah what sort of testing is there and does that help then explain their position or give them a sense of power and onus or control over their bodies then it does that open up a doorway for them as well look i mean you know i every week in my clinic i see couples that present with you know what would be less than favorable you know test results you know that's not that's not just semen results that's no that's got microbes and that's what other things do you look for and what other testing thing materials do you use or labs if anybody if anybody presents with fertility challenges and I suspect even slightly that they have gut integrity issues I always send them off for gut microbial ecology profiles to assess their bacterial yeast, protozoa, amoebas, parasites. Um, And I 
deliberately choose a test that's very, very accurate because they can be led down a garden path with lots of false positives and negatives if they don't do really accurate testing. I highly recommend that if anybody presents with symptoms of food intolerances or if they've got any food allergies that we do IgG um, food antibody testing. The reason that I do those tests, even though they're very expensive and they are not available on Medicare, is because you get a very, very high level of accuracy and it mm. gives people the opportunity then to make really grounded, fundamental changes into their diet and lifestyle and actually heal that once and for all and wow. be in a position, you know, it takes generally between four to six months to really heal the gut. Mm. And that's with, you know, that's intensive therapeutic care. So I distinguish in my practice between what I call self-care and wellness care, which is all of the work that my clients do at home. That's what they choose to eat every day. That's how many hours they choose to sleep. That's how many hours they choose to exercise over a week. That's whether or not they're engaging in meditation or prayer or some sort of spiritual practice for themselves. That's how they manage their stress. Um, but the therapeutic intervention is utilising naturopathic medicines, whichever modality is the best for that person to actually recover and heal that particular tissue or that particular organ or that particular system of the body. And so because I understand that there's such a correlation between gastrointestinal health and fertility and gastrointestinal health and the endocrine system, it's really one of the core foundations of my work. And then the preconception care, what I call the preconception care workups, are assessing all of your vitamin and mineral status. They're assessing you hormonally. They're assessing thyroid function. They're assessing multiple other potential contributing factors that can undermine fertility or contribute to fertility illness patterns. And for the male, exactly the same sort of protocol, but also doing a semen analysis to assess for count, to assess for morphology, which is the shape of the sperm, to assess for motility, which is how well that sperm move and whether or not they move forward. Because it's pretty important that sperm know how how to swim in a forward direction and that they can do it pretty fast. Mm. If they're swimming sideways or backwards, they're not going to get to the egg. Mm. Okay. All so, right. you know, from that perspective, you know, the work that I do clinically is very grounded. It's very objective. I make sure that we actually get very grounded, objective results that people can actually look at and go, okay, well, that's, that's the reason that this is happening. Or at absolute best case scenario, you do all of the preconception care workup and they come through clear as a whistle. And then we're like, okay, well then, if everything here is clear, then what's happening? So it gives me a way of actually do, having a plan naturopathically that I can follow step by step by step. And I just basically tick off a whole lot of boxes. It's my job to basically make sure that all of my clients have been thoroughly assessed, not only at an orthodox medical level, but at what I call a functional biochemical level, we want to go into that, you know, that conception period of time knowing that there's nothing that's going to get in our way. Okay. And I think that that's very empowering. 
because no matter what comes up, we can address it. You know, I I mean, I've shared, I see see so many men that have come to me and, you know, I've had men break down in tears in my office because Mm. they've got such an appalling semen analysis. They're like, we haven't got a prayer of conceiving. And I'm like, well, actually, that's incorrect. Mm. You do have a prayer. It, it, let's talk about what we can do and let's talk about the possible outcomes and the possible results and let's track this so that you feel confident and you feel competent about what you're doing and that, then let's reassess it. You know, I mean, I see this month after month, year after year. I've got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of families now, probably mm. thousands of families yeah, who have had so- one, two or three or four babies. Wow. You know, that's why I love my job. It'll make oh. me cry if you keep up. Yeah, I was thinking that. that. You must right. get amazing feedback. You know, oh, I, it's sorry. the most beautiful thing in the world. It, yeah. I'm like actually tearing up now. Yeah. There's, there's just nothing more rewarding no. than having a couple walk through with a newborn baby oh. into my clinic. I'd be bawling all the time. <laughs> I do. I frequently, you know, my clients and I laugh about it. They're like, okay, we're not, we don't want to make you cry. I'm like, it's happy tears. I'm really yeah. happy. Oh, that's so On good. the lighter side, um, <laughs> so just, just popping into my head because that's what things do, I am now starting to understand that preconception care for men is just like gym for the testicles. <laughs> yes. Good. I'm you know, like they, 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 they awesome. knock off work and they go to the gym and they have their, oh, I don't know what they have, but, you know, they have their creatine and they have their thermogenics and they've got their protein power and they've got it all, you know, calculated in, you know, organized. They know exactly what they're doing. Totally. It's, it's this, this preconception care is just like that. It's, mm. it's like they've sort of neglected a very vital part of their body and you're bringing them back to essentially you know, the most vital part of them for sending on the next most powerful generation so they can go about their working life and and enjoy who they are in in a functional manner. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I often joke with my clients that I wish that, you know, if I had a magic wand, I'd actually have um, ejaculate be coloured according to the integrity of the sperm <laughs> so that, okay, so so it's that like they could actually result. see it, you know, that they could see, okay, we have a problem, Houston, or excellent, we're good to go. <laughs> because for men, for men, part of this is that it's all in the realm of the invisible. Yes, they can't yeah. actually see. When women have fertility problems, yeah. if you have endometriosis, you know that you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. If you have po- polycystic, you know you're having limiting, painful, distressing sort of symptoms that are telling you that there's something not happening um, in a balanced and healthy way with your reproductive system. With men, it, it's not so. Men can still be vibrantly sexually active, having a wonderful sex life with their partner you know, still functioning at work, having great health in the rest of their health and having sperm that are really distressed and upset and they don't know. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I guess that's part of my job is to raise awareness. And that's why I, you know, strongly, strongly encourage any of the couples that come to see me that the male partner is fully investigated at the same time as the female partner is. Mm. You know, it's it's 
it's absolutely and utterly devastating for couples to go through preconception care, to be in, you know, in in um, what I call trying to conceive phase. And I literally had this only happen last week. I'd been working with this couple for a year. She has some very, very serious fertility issues. And he was a great example of a bloke that was like, it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, I've and, heard that before. <laughs> and, you know, we've we've really made major changes for her and her cycle is now beautiful and stable. They've been trying to conceive now for six months and they haven't conceived. And finally, he agreed to do a semen analysis. And as I predicted, it's a shocking result. Mm. You know, the sad thing for me is that if he'd been willing to do that semen analysis a year ago, yeah. they would have conceived by now. Yeah. I feel really confident because we would have, the issues that he had with his semen are environmentally based. Hmm. They are to do with toxicity. Um, he has a high risk job and wow. I just haven't been able to get through his male brain <laughs> that sounds awful I should just retract that but you know I just I think all the women I've, sitting here are nodding I failed miserably at getting through to him how important it was and in some ways it had to be his choice he yeah. had to get to the place in his world where he was willing but now we're sort of not back to square one, but now we're going to need to do some fairly significant therapeutic care for him to get his semen and his sperm up to up to a normal level where he'll be able to conceive. And I know that he'll be able to do that. I know that we'll achieve that because it's not a structural issue. It's not, you know, it's a preventable issue. Um but it, it hurts my heart when I see that because there's just so much heartbrokenness involved in wanting to conceive a baby desperately and not conceiving. Yeah. And it's, it's so much of it is preventable. Can you explain a little bit, just on the bring it down to very practical everyday stuff, what kind of foods are good? I've, I've had this question a few times on my chat group and on my Facebook page um, for people who've had infertility and one lady said she tried for six years and she tries to eat very natural foods and other one had said she's got autoimmune diseases and all sorts of problems. What should I eat? They all ask, what should I be eating? Is there yep. things that you shouldn't be eating and should be eating? <laughs> Can you explain a little bit about that kind of thing? I know you would yeah. go into a lot more detail in your practice, but maybe just a bit of an overview. Look, at a core level, a diet that supports fertility and reproductive health is clean, it's whole, and it's nourishing. Yeah. So we're talking about an absence of packaged foods, mm -hmm. you know, food-based chemicals. We're talking about a whole food diet. So I am a strong advocate for organics and mm -hmm. biodynamics, not just for the environmental sustainability and the environmental philosophy behind that, but because the agrochemicals that are left as residues in particularly our protein-based foods, our dairy and our meats and our poultry and all of those kind of foods, mm -hmm. they leave residues that are what we call endocrine disruptors. Mm. And so women who are in that preconception phase who are thinking about having children, um, it's pretty important to make that transition wherever you possibly can to an organic diet. Mm. 
And I understand that, you know, everybody has different food budgets and that for some people, you know, 100% organic is just not possible. In that case, you know, I recommend that if at all possible, your meat and your dairy, if you're eating meat and dairy is organic. Mm. And then there are some fabulous websites on the net that actually go through which are the cleanest foods conventionally. And I recommend that people look at those sites and, you know, I would go with, you know, organic leafy greens, for instance. That's Mm -hmm. super important because they're the ones that are the most highly sprayed. So at that level, we're looking at an organic diet. We're looking at... Um, a whole food diet, so fresh fruit and vegetables with a focus on antioxidant-rich fruit and veggies. Mm -hmm. So all of your leafy greens, eating a big, huge salad at least once a day, Mm -hmm. beautiful, clean, vibrant protein. I'm a great advocate of bone broths and the Western A. Price sort of (laughs) um, food philosophy. I'm really into... um, organic saturated fats for women because they are the building blocks of our hormones. Mm. So you can't make estrogen and progesterone without really good quality fat in your body. It's just not possible. So, you know, I'm a big fan of um, grass-fed meat, grass-fed dairy. Um, I'm a big fan of fermented dairy foods, yogurt, kefir. Um, I'm a huge fan of fermented butter um, that's you know, so I'm a huge, oh my gosh, I could just eat. <laughs> I could eat it by the spoonful. I know. I'm not at the moment, Leah, don't worry. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, really beautiful, um, healthy fats are incredibly important. Mm. Lots and lots of leafy greens. Your low GI fruits are pretty important so that you're not elevating your blood sugars too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, your nut, then you know, your nuts and berries and things like that. Nuts and seeds, activated mm. nuts and seeds, really mm. important. Um, and again, what you said, Leah, berries are super important. Any of your really antioxidant, anti-inflammatory foods Mm. um, and then being hydrated with really good clean water. So beautiful filtered water and herbal teas made with filtered water, um, water kefir, coconut water kefir, big fan of coconut yogurt, coconut oil, coconut water and in that, in, in saying that, it's very, very important that all of the foods that I've talked about are referenced through, do I have an allergy to this? Mm. Is this a contributing food to something that is a health concern for me? So, you know, if you know that you're intolerant to dairy or you have an allergic picture, that's where I would come in and do food antibody testing to make sure that none of the foods that women and men are eating are actually a contributing allergen Mm. that's going to elevate Inflammation. I think she's talking to you. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm not eating butter right now. <laughs> Only because it makes you sneeze. I know. And makes Joe my Witten, legs darling. Yes. Joe Witten, darling, I've sent you your test kits. Just Yoo-hoo. saying. Just saying. They're <laughs> on the way. So set aside the, the morning some time. This yes. is important. This takes precedence. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Leah, we can't gang up on Joe in a public domain. That's not fair. Why oh, not? You can, you can. Everyone will this have a good laugh. This is helping my cause. It's brilliant. <laughs> too funny it's reaffirming (laughs) so you know basically the diet that you promote on quirky cooking whole food prepared from scratch 
beautiful culinary herbs, lots of spices, you know, lots of really good home cooking and smart home cooking, Mm. you know, working smarter, not harder in the kitchen. You know, that's why I absolutely adore, cherish and, you know, revere my Thermomix. It makes my life so easy. I don't know what I would do without it. Well, we're trying to cut down stress too, aren't we? Exactly. So, So, So guys who are listening to this, if you haven't bought your partner a Thermomix, this is the time to do it. They need less stress in their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the Thermomix is one of my favourite you know, actual health tools. Yeah. I don't see it as just a kitchen appliance. No. It's it's one of the tools and resources that give people the ability to create vibrant health yeah. just purely because of how you can process food with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at a preconception care level, we're also really avoiding what I call the social poisons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at we don't know what the safe levels of these things are. We just know that they have a significantly detrimental effect on fertility and particularly have a detrimental effect in terms of miscarriages. So as a general rule of thumb, I highly recommend that women and men who are embarking into that preconception period of time, that four to six months of time before they're even thinking about conceiving a baby, completely and utterly avoid all coffee, all alcohol, all um, refined and processed sugar products, that they avoid all processed and refined grains. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a fan of grain. I just see so many pervasive health concerns arising from grain, you know, use in a diet. And that being said, there are some of my clients who have zero issues with grain. Mm -hmm. And if that's so, then I encourage them to have whole grains and to rotate their grains. Yeah, not just wheat flour all the time. Yeah, you just, if you're going to have grain, and in fact, the vast majority of your protein foods, it's really wise to rotate them. Yeah. You know, the the reason that we've got into such a massive mess with our diet as a population is because we have a mono diet that's based upon highly processed wheat products Mm -hmm. and highly processed dairy products. You know, when you actually analyse the vast majority of people's diet, you're looking at wheat, dairy, wheat, dairy, wheat, dairy, wheat, dairy. Yep, and that's how I got sick. <laughs> and a tiny little smidgen of meat thrown in there for good measure, and if they're lucky, a bit of salad wafts over the top of their plate. Yeah. Oh, that's just garnish. That just sits on the side to make you feel good. <laughs> that's that right. She's seen a bit of green for the day. <laughs> that's oh right. Oh, my gosh, don't get me started. I'm holding my head and I'm holding my head with one hand on my forehead, one hand behind my, my the back of my skull, you know, in horror. It's just... <laughs> yeah. You know, I have days where I have to walk into my dispensary and I just, I, I have to take 10 calming breaths because I've just, I've just listened to what somebody's eating and I'm oh. just like, it's a miracle that you're standing up. It's a miracle yes. that you're still breathing. Let's oh, just honestly. try and figure out how to nourish you because you are not nourishing yourself. Yes. So does that answer your question, um, Leah, That's... about a preconception care or a pregnancy care or actually just... A, a life diet you know this is not just about this isn't just about preconception care pregnancy birthing no, bonding no. it's about I a just, foundation I'm, of health for life yeah, yeah. and is. I love all of that because it's essentially the message is that if you're just eating a real food diet you're looking after your sleep you're looking after your exercise you're looking after spirituality you're looking after all those things your social and emotional as well as your environmental stuff you might 
not even have to go down the road of preconception care. If, mm, if you have a it. teenager and you're doing all that and you're mm. instilling in that in them at that level, yeah. then by the time they get to adulthood, they shouldn't be damaged and they mm. shouldn't need these things. They should still obviously um, take into account their, their lifestyle and, and supplements and all those other things, but they get to your point, to your practice with less damage and less yeah, that absolutely. needs undoing. Yeah. And, you know, at in an ideal world, we wouldn't need preconception care. In fact, right. if I had it all my way, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah, that's right. You know, I've often, <laughs> I've often had, you know, clients say, Sam, you know, you basically do yourself out of a job all the time because I have such a passion for wellness and my clients get well and then they don't need to see me anymore, which is kind that's of right. counterproductive. That's, that's, that's the reason me, that, why you took it on. Yes. That's right. You're there. You're the facilitator of wellness. You just want that's, everyone living their most healthy Exactly. That's that's my job. My job is to create it so that clients never need to see me again. And my job then is what I call keeping them clean and sober. So, you yeah. know, I see my wellness clients once every three months because they know that they're coming to see me and they know that I'm going to look at them and say yes. what's going on. Keeping them accountable, which is exactly. what I find I'm very, very helpful. I'm, yeah, I'm their accountability partner mm -hmm. and I'm their coach and I'm their support person and their major cheerleader. Yeah. And, you know, we, we transition out of that intensive therapeutic care into a model of, of well-being and, and living your best life. Because it is so easy to know all this and do your best while you, you know, when you're noticing that you've got all these problems or you're trying to get pregnant or whatever to work really hard on it and then when things seem to be going well it's human nature to go I'm okay now I can let it slip a bit yeah I mean that's really sort of go backwards really, yeah pretty funny I I regularly have clients who come back for a repeat visit and they sort of sit down and they say something to the effect of yep I know exactly what you're going to say yeah. I haven't been doing anything that you taught me and now yeah. I'm in trouble yeah. <laughs> can you help me and you hey, know I've we done just it myself laugh. with my naturopath <laughs> You know, we just have, a, we, you know, we end up in hysterics together yeah. and I get them back on track or support them to re, you know, reignite their passion for their health and well-being and look mm -hmm. at what's going on that's unraveling that for them and we get back on track. That's human nature. You know, it's not about being perfect, right and done. And I also sort of want to speak to that a little bit because it's very easy to think that preconception care is this completely overwhelming perfectionistic thing that you have to do that's mm. full on and intense especially given what I've spoken about but it's really not it's it requires deliberate conscious attention but it's building something that's really foundational and really powerful into the core of your life mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be stressful it can actually be fun and you know my partner James we both work from home and he often remarks that you know the thing that he hears most in my clinic is laughter <laughs> and he oh, says good. you know he says you know you laugh so much with your clients and I'm like well it, health is funny <laughs> like if we can't laugh about things and if we can't, you know, have fun and enjoy this journey that we're all on, then it's a pretty sad and sorry state of affairs. Yeah, that's true. So it's also about making it functional, making it practical and making it achievable and workable for people so that 
I meet them where they're at. Mm. I make sure that whatever we do, they can manage. Yeah. It's pointless me putting the absolute ideal textbook preconception care program in play for them if they can't sustain it. Yeah. But for me, it's about empowerment, it's about informed consent, it's about informed decision-making so that they, they're partners with me. We create a team so that we're working together to support them to, to win, to support them to get the very best out of what they have the capacity to hold and carry. And therefore, you know, it's actually a really inspiring and optimistic and hopeful journey that they go on. Mm. It is very inspiring. I think, yeah, I love my job. Oh, it's just amazing. And I'm, I'm really inspired to um, really start teach. I've got a 17-year-old daughter and I've obviously been teaching her about healthy eating and stress management and sleep and all those sorts of things. But this has really inspired me to, um, you know, make sure that she understands all this. This is the age where she needs to be knowing all this back to front. She needs to know it now. Oh, let's talk about that later, Joe. Okay. <laughs> My favorite thing to do is actually to support teenage girls. Yeah. You know, that for me is true preventative reproductive endocrinology. I wish if I'd I could actually all that. nurture yeah. and support a girl between the ages of 12 to 17, mm -hmm. then she will never have to have a fertility problem. Exactly. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. You know, unless she has a very strong family history. But as we've talked about, you know, with epigenetics and genetic coding, it's entirely possible to keep that at its absolute bare minimum mm. so that it doesn't ever have to fully manifest. Yeah. You know, I that just have to say, I want to go and have another baby. I yeah. it. <laughs> I want to do it right. Start <laughs> again. I've got these two kids that I've had to unpackage and learn what they're about because they don't fit the uh, parenting books and they don't hit the milestones and all those other things. And I want to do it right. It does I make you want to start to finish. I had a dreadful time with breastfeeding my last two and I didn't know about all this natural health stuff until after a year after my when my youngest was a year old and I started going to a naturopath and getting help and everything with my health and I suddenly said to him one day, "Could you have helped me with all the trouble I had with breastfeeding my kids?" And he said, "Yes," and I just nearly cried because it was such a stressful time. Just, I don't feel the mummy guilt about it. No, I, I don't feel I, guilty. I'm excited. But... After hearing Sam, I'm I'm excited that so many people they've got that they've got that opportunity and they do. And can, can does you imagine make, how it, many people we are going to have, oh. you know, influenced? I suppose yeah. just in this podcast, just in this yeah. short amount of time that we've spent with Sam. I was just no. I was just wishing I could try again because you know back then. I was thinking if I did it again and I had all this help of a naturopath, imagine what I could do, what we could do, what could happen. But I'm happy. My kids are... I, I want to speak to that a little bit because okay. I know that we're going to have a lot of mums who are going to be in the same place yeah. that you're in. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, all of our children are so unique and so special and, you know... Even if you've had a child who has had some significant health problems, I mean, I think of about it really differently. I look at, I look at you, Joe, and I look at you, Leah, and I see mums who are pioneers. Mm. I see mums who are leaders. I see mums who are health advocates. And if you had had, if you had both had 
you know, what I fondly call the textbook perfect baby, which mm. actually doesn't exist. No, doesn't. Just say, for instance, both of you had had that, you would never, ever have been on the journey that either of you are on exactly. now and you wouldn't be in the place to actually support and nurture and care for all of the other women out there mm-hmm. who are going to be going through this journey just like you because they didn't know what they didn't know. Yeah. And so, you know, I always think that it's a massive blessing yeah. in disguise as sometimes something that's really challenging when we have these beautiful children that are born with health issues. Yeah. Um, you know, when I talked about the little kids that I ha- that are working with me that have cystic fibrosis, you know, as a result of that, I now have a whole group of little CF kids. Yeah. Now, if if um, if that couple hadn't had those beautiful babies, then all of the other babies that have been born after the twins would never have ad- had access to the things that they now have access to. Mm. And it's because people have the courage to actually speak out and say and and look at a different way or search a different way out. Mm-hmm. And that makes all of us, it enriches everybody. So I always think that, you know, those children are really precious and special. They're our teachers and they're, you know, they're our little lighthouses and our, our, you know, our trailblazers. And who knows what will happen as a result of, you know, this massive increase in autoimmune diseases and, you know, autism and Asperger's and all of the, all of those sort of neurological um, health challenges that our children are starting to have at an increasing rate. If we didn't have all of these children, we wouldn't be looking so deeply into our lifestyle, the environment, the immune system. Mm. We wouldn't have a need. So I think we have to always be mindful of it being a gift as much as it is a challenge. Yeah. You know, I think, um, one thing that we, we need to finish off here, but I might just quickly mention. Um, when we were going through such a hard time with my son, with his health um, and the anxiety and the depression and my 17-year-old daughter came to me one day and she said, Mum, I found this quote that's just for you and it said, your, your most effective ministry will come out of your deepest hurts. And I just yeah. cried. I was like, that is so true. You know, it's, yeah. what, it's the hard things that you go through that's why you want to help others to get through the yeah. same thing. And if it didn't happen all those other people may not have had the help that you're giving them in some small way. Yeah, and I think I think when women often look back at their own biography, they'll see points in their life where they've experienced tragedy or major mm. challenge or heartbrokenness and with the benefit of hindsight and healing, many years later they'll realise that there was a very profound reason for that exactly. to happen. I'm you know, a big believer in there's always a reason. Yeah, there's, there's, Mm. you know, there's always a purpose. There's always meaning in something and it's just a matter of, of looking for it and, and looking at how you can be transformative in it. Mm. And, you know, that's really, you know, the direction that I believe that, you know, our society and our culture and humanity is going towards is, you know, really, starting to live healthier and happier lives but out of a really a real place of consciousness and empowerment and clarity rather than just you know the old way of of doing it the way it's always been done Mm -hmm. yeah 
So, yes. Thank you so much, Leah. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I'm crying. Oh, you darling. Oh, darling. I know we're <laughs> that all was too much. much. That was just too much. It was beautiful, wasn't it? Thank you so much, Samantha. And guys, who are, everyone who's listening, I know you're thinking we need Samantha on here more. Don't worry. She'll be back. <laughs> Samantha. She's booked in. She's not she's, going she's anywhere. We we've know her it. Skype address. <laughs> That's right. And we've got at least another five podcasts we wanted to ask, answer questions on. <laughs> You both are too beautiful for words. It's like I, I, I'll just finish off to sort of say yes. that, you know, when I first met Joe, we were at a whole food cooking event oh, and right, yeah. we were both bonding over a Thermomix <laughs> and sharing recipes and we've sort of texted each other back and forth recipes over the last several years. And, you know, when I first met Joe, I felt like I'd met a beautiful kindred spirit and oh. a sister and, you know, we just had this really beautiful connection. And then when Joe said to me, you've got to speak to my friend Leah, um, I think the first time that Leah and I were on the phone together, we spoke for something ridiculous like two hours and I actually had to get off the phone because I had a client, you know, walking down the garden path towards the clinic. So and I have to admit, I was disappointed. I was like, damn, why aren't they late? I just want to keep talking to Leah forever. Yeah. And you then, weren't dressed. You yes, were like, I wasn't dressed. I'm not I had dressed. To, I've got clients. <laughs> I had to literally, I was sitting here in my pyjamas, which is so one of the funny. great benefits of working from home home and I literally had to pelt upstairs throw clothes on and pelt down the stairs trying to look professional like <laughs> I've been like this all morning no <laughs> two seconds before I was sitting at my computer basically in my jammies and then I think the second or third time that Leah and I talked we actually had to discipline ourselves to get off the phone because we, <laughs> we just couldn't stop talking to each other uh... so on that note um Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure and a joy to hang out with you tonight and I can't wait to share, you know, um, to share with you some more about reproductive medicine and, and you know, how we can support, you know, the quirky cooking women at a health mm. level and Joe and I have some plans cooking in the back. Yeah. to support all of you at an even higher level um, so just watch this space we'll be doing something pretty cool in the new year we just yes. have to get all our little ducks in a row so to speak we do. and Samantha's working very hard to get them in a row <laughs> thank you Sam you're such an you're angel you're so welcome beautiful night thank you so much beautiful girls thank you and everybody Lots we would love we would love to hear your feedback. If you want to send any questions or comments, you can do that on our Facebook pages. Um, Samantha, what's your Facebook page? Do you want to just mention that? Um, my clinic Facebook page is um, The Alchemist Tree. And I just want to put a proviso on that, that I am like a social media reader. So <laughs> I always feel a little bit embarrassed about I just don't get this whole social media thing. I'm having to learn it as fast as I possibly can. But I'm, you know, I'm actually a little bit of a slow learner at this. So That's if right. you post on my page and like I me. don't get back to me, back to you, it's there. So you can definitely find me. And you can always make an appointment with Samantha through um, your website as well, can't you? You've got your contact yep. details on yeah, there. Look. The, the easiest tree. way, the easiest way for people to um, connect with me is to just do a private message to me, either on my personal page, which is Samantha Bullock, or on the Alchemist Tree. And I usually do everything by email. So okay. 
um, yeah, I'm happy to do that. I'm on the Gold Coast, so I have clients coming to see me from Brisbane, the Sunshine Coast, you know, basically all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'd love to see. I'd and love you do to- Skype consultations too, I think you said? Yes, yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah, I do Skype consults. So I'd love to support anyone who needs that sort of more grounded naturopathic care. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, All right. Guys, lots of love. Good night. Yes, good night. And guys, don't forget you can leave a comment also on the website, thewellnesscouch.com backslash a quirky journey. And we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available. So until next week, um, let's just continue on with those little steps towards wellness. And thank you so much for being here with us on this journey. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold-out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough. Your favourite Wellness Couch experts, the Up For A Chat girls, Quirky Cooking's Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the Wellness Guys are all gathering in Dandong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.